God that continues to transform the soul or the mind and the soul so that the soul will be saved. So the soul, the, the, the salvation of the soul is a continuous process until Christ comes. The body will never be saved. Amen. The body will not be saved. The body is, is, is going to, that's why it's going to remain in the ground. But we will have a glorified body, not a glorified mind. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. You and I get a brand new nature, a brand new spirit. Our minds are saved as we keep hearing the word of God. It's the word of God that saves our soul. According to James chapter 1, verse 20, 18 to 21, 22. Uh, the, uh, the word of God saves our soul, but our bodies will not be saved. That's why we are buried here. That's why our bodies will remain on earth, but we will have glorified bodies. But the key here is that be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when we were unbelievers, our minds were alienated from God. Our minds did not have the mind of God. We did not have the mind of God. We did not have the mind of Christ. Our thinking had nothing to do with God. When you read Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, the Bible says, all we are sheep have gone astray. Each man had gone his own way, but the Lord and the Lord had laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So everyone has gone their own way. No one thinks about God. No, no one cares about God before we become saved. Then when you and I become saved, then it's a new thing altogether. But our minds must be transformed. Our minds must now think the way God wants our minds to think. So you and I, we need to think the way God expects us to think. Can I have an amen? So, so think the way God expects you to think. Think like God. Think like Jesus. Think in victory. Don't think like a failure. There are many Christians, unfortunately, unfortunately who live in barely get along streets off Gramble Alley. So they live on the road called barely get along streets, meaning that they are always, they are, they are never getting along. They are always struggling with one problem after another. So they live on barely get along streets. Off Gramble Alley, they are always grumbling. Because of what they are going through, they are always grumbling. That is not for you and I. You and I are supposed to live as victors, live in victory, live as a Christian who is living and reigning in life through Jesus Christ. So you and I, we must guard our minds. That's the first important thing. Guard your mind. Now you guard your mind by the way, because it is the word of God that we use to fight the devil. Many Christians feel that we fight the devil through tactics or through uh, uh, schemes or through, through seminars. No, no, no. You fight the devil by the word of God. Jesus Christ, who is God, fought the devil through the word only to teach us what to do. That's why when Jesus was tempted, Jesus said, it is written. He was tempted three times written in the Bible. Of course, he was tempted in many other ways, as the Bible says in Hebrews. But he was tempted, and the three times he was tempted, he said, it is written. Hallelujah. But the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in all ways, and yet without sin. He was tempted in every way possible. Tempted in ways that you and I will not even be tempted, and yet without sin. So you and I, very, very important to master our minds so that our minds think in the right way. The way you think will determine how well you do in the future. Those who think in a certain failure way or have a failure mentality or have a, 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 
mediocre mentality or have a mentality of just barely getting along would remain there. But those who have the attitude of succeeding, those who have the attitude of doing well, will do well. You see the, the, the widow. When Elisha went to the widow, the widow had just a cruise of oil. Just a cruise of oil, Elijah. Just a cruise of oil. Hallelujah. And she was going to eat her last morsel of bread and she and her son would die. But the man of God told her, you know what? Go and borrow vessels. As many as you can. And then use the, the small cruise of oil you have. Fill all those jars. And then when the last pot is, is, is uh, filled, then the oil will cease. And then pay your debt. And then use the rest for yourself. Now, depending on her mindset and how sucks, uh, uh, sucks, uh, how her mentality was, if her mentality was a success mentality, if her mentality was a victorious mentality, if she had the mentality of succeeding and doing well in life, or sky's the limit, she would have uh, uh, borrowed 100 or even 1,000 vessels. If she borrowed 1,000 vessels, 1,000 vessels would have been filled. If she borrowed only five vessels, five vessels would have been filled. So you and I must have a certain mindset of, what does God want me to think about this? What does God want me to say about this? This is what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Are we there? So Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. I'll just read that. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on such things. So already you can clearly see that when God wants us to think in the godly way or God uh, uh, tells us to read his word and cause our minds to be transformed, he is telling us that look, when your mind is transformed, you will think in a certain way. And the way you will think is that you will only think about the true things. There is a difference between truth and fact or truth and theory. I was talking to someone who was we're debating on what truth is and what fact is. Now, a fact can be proved wrong in the future. A theory can be proved wrong. But the truth can never be proved wrong. The truth is always truth. It is the, there's only one absolute truth, and that truth is Jesus. That truth is the word of God, and there is no truth besides God. But there are many facts. For example, on Earth, you can have a, 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 a fact, but it doesn't hold in another galaxy. You can have a truth, or, or let me say, you can have a fact on Earth about jumping off a building and what will happen to you. If you jump off a 10-story off a, a building, you will die on Earth. But when you're in the moon and there's a 10-story building you jump down, it's not going to be the same. So it means that the, the theories or the, the, the laws apply, they are different depending on where you are. 
But when it comes to truth, it is true trillions of light years away, trillions of galaxies away, in a billion years, it's still true. So it is only the word of God that is true. So when you want to know what is true, read the Bible and you'll find the real absolute truth. Any other thing outside the Bible is not true, but you can call it fact. If it's not in the Bible, then it's not true. It is fact. That's very important. Because, I mean, in a trillion years, the word of God will always be true. I don't know if you are hearing what I'm talking about. Very, very, very important. But the doctor can give you a report. And the report might not be favorable. Don't believe the report of the, the, the doctor, but believe the report of the Lord. Because the Lord has given you truth in his word. The doctor has given you a fact. You have to acknowledge the fact that, look, there is a problem. But the truth supersedes the fact. So the truth is that by his stripes, I was healed. You are broke and you're about to foreclose. God forbid, but you're about to foreclose. But a person like that should accept that the fact is that I'm about to foreclose, but the truth is that Jesus Christ was rich and became poor, so through his poverty, you and I will be rich. Now, the Bible could have said rich in spiritual things. The Bible knows that God knows how to write that. But he just said he was poor, he was rich, and became poor so that through his poverty, we will be rich, rich in all good things, rich in character, rich in, 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 in zeal, rich in good works, rich in finances, rich in every single way, which also includes finances, which also includes that your, your, your mortgage is paid. Am I preaching to somebody? So think about the things that are true, the things that are honest, there are many people who are not genuinely honest and they give information as if it is true when it is false. I remember I was in some, there was a time I was with a group of people and there was someone who was speaking confidently about a so-called truth when it was false. So then now the question is, when the person was saying that, did the person say that genuinely because they were, they, they were genuinely wrong or they knew the truth and decided to uh, give the false information. I don't know if you got know what I'm saying. Because you and I must be, have honesty. There must be honesty. So we must think about honest things. So it means that when you think about honest things, you ask yourself, what am I about to say? Is it true or is it my opinion? If it is my opinion, I'll say like, this is my opinion. But there are many Christians who give opinions and state them as truth. And there are some also who know the truth that will not speak the truth, but will just give a, a, a false a, a story. But lies are not good. So you and I must be honest with ourselves, honest with God, and honest with other people. That's why David said, look, I will not hide my iniquity from you, O God. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be open with you, because there's nothing that is hidden or concealed from you, O Lord. So, the honest, so honesty is important. The things that are honest. So from now on, I want to encourage the saints listening to be honest. If there is something that is false, don't say it is the truth. If there is something that is your opinion, state that this is your opinion because most likely you might be wrong. 
And when it is the truth, state that it is the truth. What do you think? Because you can still be in a meeting or be somewhere and get it wrong and, and give false information. Hallelujah. So very, very important. Even if you are in your workplace, be honest. Give honest information when you are at work and your boss asks you a question. Be honest about it. Very, very important. Work is where you see a lot of dishonesty. People would, would lie on you so that they would move up. But for the Christian who is thinking in the right way, whose mind is on Christ, who has the mind of Christ, who has been transformed by the renewing of their minds through the word of God, will only speak honest things. If you are not sure, you keep quiet. What do you think? Whatsoever things are just. Now, the things that are just are important. Hallelujah. What is just? You and I must make sure that justice prevails. The things that are just, the things that are justified by the word of God, the things that show that God is good, that God is righteous, the things that are righteous, the things that are just must be maintained in our minds. We must have justice. It shouldn't be that you, you are thinking, uh, you, you are not concerned about justice. It shouldn't be that you are not concerned about what uh, 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 miscarriage of justice. In the past, many, many policemen, many lawyers knew the truth. But a lot of miscarriage of justice took place. We must take, someone must take a fall. Let's put it on this man. Let's put it on this black man. Let's put it on him. Miscarriage, meanwhile, the evidence is totally, in fact, the evidence can exonerate the person. But no, 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 no. Let's not do it. Let's get a scapegoat and let's throw away the evidence. Justice. Also in our lives, also at work, also in church, many Christians, instead of being equitable or being just or being fair, they are partial. They are partial in what they do. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? We are talking about the mind of Christ. You must have the right mind. It's, 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 it pays to be equitable. It's, it pays to be just. It pays to be, to, to, to be fair. But as human beings, we can all, not always be fair. But our hearts must yearn for us to be fair. What am I saying? You and I must desire to be fair to everyone. Because we are human beings, we will not always get it right. Even though we will not always get it right, we must be fair. We must do everything we can to be fair. It's only God who is fair in every way. But everyone else can make the effort. God must see that you and I are making the effort to be just. Amen? Let's look at it in NLT. This, this uh, verse 8. Then we'll go back to King James. Hallelujah. NLT. Are we there? Okay. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, can we please take it to NLT? That would be very appreciated. 
New Living Translation. I'll just get that now for time's sake. Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Did you get that? So let's, be, let's do the right thing. Let's be fair. Let's be just. Let's be equitable. Hallelujah. Very, very important. What do you think? Now, this word is correct, righteous, innocent. Hallelujah. Very, very important. So whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, to the pure, all things are pure. When we must have pure thoughts, we must not have wicked thoughts. We must not have malice. We must not have bitterness. We must not have hatred. We must have pure thoughts, innocent thoughts. Don't, don't, don't look for the worst in others. You'll be surprised that some will be watching. If I, every uh, pastor will have this, some will even be watching what I'm preaching and watching for a wrong word I see or watching to see if I'll see something that is not appropriate so that they can go and tell people. Hallelujah. So God is telling you, such a person, that whatsoever things are pure, pure. You and I must be pure. The Bible says that the pure in heart are blessed. Hallelujah. We must, we must, we, we, we must look for the, we must desire and look for and expect the best in others. Not the worst in others. Hallelujah. You and I don't expect the worst in other people. Expect the best in them. Being cautious, of course. But as the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love believes all things. Believes. You, you give people the chance. Even the world, even the unbelievers know about innocent till proven guilty. But many Christians have have have. Have, have even gone below the unbeliever to say guilty until proven innocent. Am I preaching to somebody? Amen. So the unbelievers have won against many sins. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, whose report do you believe? The lawyer's report? The bank manager's report? The doctor's report, or you believe the report of the Lord? Whose report do you believe? If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on such things. So it's very important for us to guard our minds. And the reason is because one of the greatest battlefields is in the mind. And I'll show it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll start from verse 1 to 5, but we're looking for 3 and 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, very, very important. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians, I'm not sure what's going on with. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself, 
beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Verse 3 to 5 is what we're looking for. For though we walk in the flesh, or for even though we walk as human beings, even though we walk in the body, even though we walk in, 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 in the, with our mere minds, our, our human form, or when I say human form, in our, in our bodies, we do not war after the flesh. So even though we walk and we live as human beings, we are not fighting a human war. It's not your grandmother. It is not your auntie. It is not your boss. It is not the bank manager. It is not any human being we are fighting against. Look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not of the mind, are not human reasoning, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, other versions say fortresses. A stronghold or a fortress in, 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 in the olden days when the kings uh, uh, were going to war, they always fortified themselves by having strongholds or fortresses that would make it harder for the enemy to penetrate. So Satan has many fortresses or strongholds and in many Christians' minds and has placed certain thoughts and certain mindsets in many Christians' minds and has put some strongholds there to secure them. So there are Christians, unless the word of God comes to break it, no matter the reason, no matter what you say, the Christian would believe what the devil has placed in their minds. And it would be very, very difficult to change their minds. There are some Christians who feel that, look, all men are a certain way, or all women are a certain way, or this group of people are a certain way, or, or, or unforgiveness. No, I, 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 I don't trust people. Or whatever it is. Or maybe I, I have to have sex with someone. Whatever it is, every, every Christian has the power to pull down strongholds. So the greatest battlefield of the Christian is in the mind. And the Bible is saying that even though we walk in the flesh, we are not worrying about the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not human or physical. They, they are not physical weapons. They are not guns or knives or insults. No, they are the word of God in prayer. But they are what? Verse 4. They are mighty, this is verse 5. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. I think it's verse 4. Let's go to verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not kind of but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So through the word of God, the strongholds will be pulled down. Verse 5, casting down imaginations. So you can clearly see that there are certain imaginations in many people's minds. Certain things that the devil might have placed in people's minds or because of their background, because of the things they have been through, because of their experiences, because of what they know, because of the, the people, they, 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 because of what they've seen around them, because of that, they have certain mindsets, certain imaginations, and those imaginations are destroying them. Those imaginations are contrary to God. 
because of those imaginations, the people are a certain way. They are thinking in a certain way and God is not able to reach them. So those imaginations must be cast down. But you remember that you see, if something is cast down, it means it's, it is high. So the, many Christians and people have placed those imaginations so high that normal talking and reasoning will not be able to remove them. You will say, you will speak and speak and speak. You can keep the verse there. You will speak and speak and speak and it's not changing. It is not going away. So you and I must cast down imaginations. And all this, you cannot cast it down without the Bible and prayer. That's why the Bible says that we must be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Your mind and my mind will be transformed as we read the word of God. And that will cause us to pull down the strongholds. It's only the word of God that can pull down the fortress of stronghold. And then cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And it's very important. Every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. What does it mean? It means that there are certain thoughts or ideas that people have when the word of God is preached, then those, they, they use those thoughts to negate the Bible. So maybe the typical one, husbands love your wives, wives submit to your own husbands. Then I'm not going to be a slave to anyone. Then that, 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 that statement you have used it to exalt itself above the Bible. Or give, and it shall be given unto you. Give to the church. Support the church. Oh, this pastor everything is about money. So you see, is so, so that thought, everything is about money, you have replaced it, you, you, you have actually raised it above the Bible. You've raised it above the Bible. And when those things are raised above the Bible, you are not going to uh, 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 get to the expected end. You, because God cannot even do what he wants to do with you. Because the, the give and it shall be given unto you was not written by a man. It was written by God. Humble yourself in the sight of God and you will exalt you. It was not written by a man. It was written by God. Hallelujah. So you and I must cast down imaginations and cast down every high thing that is trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Many Christians have thoughts, have ideas that are, they, they, they have placed above the Bible. But no matter what, the Bible is above all things. The word of God is exalted above all things. So you can place something above the Bible, but it will come to bind you in the future. Because nothing is above the Bible. Nothing is above Jesus. Jesus is the word. Your thoughts, are they higher than the Bible? No. But you will speak to Christians and you will quote scriptures to them and you will say, yes, I know, but, the Bible, but this is what I see. And we are not talking about wrong interpretation because there's a lot of that also. A lot of people misrepresent scriptures, misquote scriptures, they've not done their Bible study, they just take the Bible and run with it. But we are talking about sound uh, 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 explanation of the, the, of the scriptures and practical use of the scriptures. Many people have that and yet they will have an idea. Oh, no one can talk to me in this way. These, these white people, they, 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 they don't like black people. So they are trying to, to, to discredit me away. It's not all the time. It doesn't hold. 
why don't you rather look and find out what you are doing? Are you humbling yourself? Are you being aggressive? Or are you, because sometimes even white people, any human being, when they feel that someone is, thinks they are aggressive or someone is picking on them, it is an automatic thing that you be aggressive. So rather, why don't you rather say, why don't you rather use the scripture that says that do not repay evil with evil, but uh, uh, good for evil. Or if your enemy comes to you, rather, uh, uh, if you show him love or her love, it is as if you put heaps of uh, coals of fire or heaps of fire on them, on their bosom or whatever. Or it is more blessed to give than to receive. Or even if you are unjustly treated, it is still good, First Peter 2, 20 to 24. It's still good if you suffer and, and endure till the end, it's good. Let's look at First Peter 2, 20 to 24. I don't know I'm preaching to somebody, but very important. So you can see how no, in, in many things we do, we can exalt an idea over the Bible. Because if God is telling, if you, 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 you and I pray to God and we say that, look, my boss doesn't like me because I'm black, God will say, don't say that. Rather, why don't you walk in love? Why don't you walk in humility? Why don't you work hard? And why don't you even work twice as hard? That will solve the problem. Work twice as hard. If you work twice as hard, that will solve the problem. Yes, maybe your colleague might have to work just uh, uh, hard. You might have to work twice as hard. No problem. Can we get the verse? First Peter 2, 20 to 24. Because those who fight those battles at work don't do well at work. God, promote me. Hey, blah, 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 prayer meeting, promote me. Oil is poured. When you fight the people at work, somehow they make the decisions. You don't do well. For what glory is it? If when ye be buffeted or punished for your faults or beaten for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. What is the what, what, what benefit is it if when you are punished or beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? You, you, you did wrong and you are punished for it. No big deal. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. I didn't write it. Verse 2, 21. Don't remember, remember, we are going to verse 24. For even here unto where he called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin? Neither was God found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not. When he was insulted, reviled, he did not insult or retaliate. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Who his, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Hallelujah. So casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of Christ, bringing into subjection every thought to the obedience of Christ. It means that every thought that comes to my mind and to your mind. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 
that, that verse says that bringing into subjection every thought to the obedience of Christ. So it means that any thought that or bringing into subjection or captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, any thought that comes to my mind or your mind, you and I must use the word of God as a sieve. Is it according to the Bible? That is, it, is, is this scriptural? Is this, uh, is, 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 is this contradicting the Bible? If it's contradicting the Bible, I throw it away. If it is in line with the Bible, then it passes through and enters into my mind and into my heart. So every thought should be brought into captivity to obey the Bible. Every thought we have, every thought, every thought, every thought. So there must be a constant battle to make sure that the thoughts that come into my mind, into your mind, we have to take the Bible and compare. This thought, what would Jesus say about it? This thought, what does the Bible say about it? The Bible says that it is not good. Garbage. The Bible says that it is good. Thank you, Lord. I accept it. Hallelujah. Very, very important. What do you think? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on such things. So these are the things you and I must think about. But the devil fights hard. When God is speaking to you and I, he speaks to us in our spirits. Our spirit is in our belly area, and the Holy Spirit dwells in our spirits. Hallelujah. Each of us, the Holy Spirit is in us, lives in every believer. Very important. So, every, so, so, so you and I, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, then you and I must make sure that we do not allow the devil to have any access to us, any access to our minds, any access to control us. Look at Ephesians 4.27. You must be spirit control. Ephesians 4.27 says, give no place to the devil. Give no place to the devil. Do not give the devil an inch. So it means that you and I, we are born again Christians. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are children of God, and we now have the strength and the ability to do what the Bible says. Nevertheless, the devil is very, very strong. Yes, what I, was, what I was also going to say was that when God is speaking to us, he speaks to us through our spirits. Now, remember that man is a spirit, has a soul, lives in a body. So the inner person is the spirit. Then the soul is a, a uh, 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 in the outer layer and the body is the outer layer. Let me say it in a better way. The body is what you and I can see. Behind the body or inside the body is the, the soul and the spirit is even further down or further in. That's why the spirit is called the cryptos man, the hidden man of the heart, the inward man, the inner man. So when God, when, when you and I are not in the Word, when you and I are not rich in the Word, when you and I have not grown spiritually in the Word, when God speaks to our spirits, we sometimes struggle to hear Him. When God speaks to our spirits, we don't only struggle to hear Him sometimes, but also we find it hard to follow what He says or to obey Him when we don't have the Word of God in us, richly. But when the devil is speaking to people 
or tempting people, he tempts in the mind. And that's why the mind is just behind the, the body. That's why we sometimes get aggressive uh, uh, feelings or thoughts. Do this, do this, do this from the devil. That's why when the devil is speaking, it looks like it's even stronger. It's even more, more, more firmer. And it, the, the, there's a stronger push. But the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to push you. So you and I, we must make sure that we get the word of God so richly in us so that our spirits will dominate our soul. The, the spirit-controlled man or woman is the person who's, who has allowed their spirit to be so strong that it's able to dominate the soul, not the soul dominate the spirit. But the spirit dominates the soul, dominates the soul. Then the soul buffets the body, puts the body under. Hallelujah. Very important. When we are able to do this, we will not give the devil any place. Because the Bible says, give the devil, give no place to the devil. Now you and I can give the devil place by accepting the thoughts, by feeding into the thoughts. When the devil says, who? That's a nice guy there. That's a nice girl there. If you say, I repeat it in Jesus' name, that's good. But this is what, oh, oh, this is a nice girl. Why don't you go and talk to her? Maybe sleep with her or a guy sleeping and you'll be surprised what people do. And just do it with ease. Okay. You see that if you accept that thought, you ponder upon the thought, you think about the thought, you are giving the devil place. And the likelihood of you executing what you are thinking about will be high. But give no place to the devil means I reject it in Jesus' name. No. Insult this person. Steal this thing. Curse. Uh, 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 lie. Hate. Have unforgiveness. The devil will come strong in your mind and say, no. Insult the person. How could this person do it? Don't forgive this person. No. Hey, no, this person is, has done very bad. Do say it. The devil will tell you that. But what you need to do is to say, no, the Bible says forgive or you'll not be forgiven. And because the Bible says forgive and you'll not be forgiven, I'm going to forgive. I'm not going to give the devil any place. I'm not going to give the devil any place. I'm going to reject that thought. Give the devil no place. No place. Because the devil is constantly fighting. The devil has assigned demons to, to Christians but God has also assigned angels to, to Christians. And so long as you are praying and you are in the word, the devil cannot do anything. If you are walking in the word and walking in the commandment of God, which is to love God, love your neighbor, the devil cannot touch you. Because the devil cannot, the devil loses. If the devil has no place to even fight, the devil the, the devil has lost before he, he, you will not even enter the ring when you are in the arena of love. When you and I are in the arena of love, there's a song my kids, I used to play for them when we were young. Uh, the banner, love is the banner. Something about the love and the banner. The banner, his banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. So God's banner over us is love. So any, once you are in love, once you are in the word, once you are in prayer, so prayer, the word, love for God, love for people, the devil has lost already. He, he, can, he cannot be entered the ring to fight you. 
Now, some will say, oh, I love God with all my heart. I just don't love people. The Bible says you're a liar. If you don't love the person you can see, how can you say you love God who you cannot see? So there are many Christians who say they love God, but don't love God because they don't love their neighbor. That's another topic. What do you think? Satan specializes in certain things. One example is worry. Satan specializes in getting people to worry. In the past, I was one of the, the lead warriors in the world. I was a champion warrior. I worried easily. I, I, I took time to worry in the past. And then I pondered upon who by worrying will add a cubit to his stature. Take no thought for your life. Then I realized that if I worry, most likely I'll not, no, if, I, if I worry, I'm not working in faith. So anything I can get from faith, I'll miss. If I don't worry, I can walk in faith and receive from God. So worrying will do nothing for you. Not worrying would cause you to get what God wants to give to you. So I realized that was the point of worrying. Let me not worry. So anytime I'm tempted to worry, I say, no, Satan, I'm not going to let you. You're not going to get me. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to allow myself to worry. Of course, there are temptations to worry. But when the temptation comes, you start to worry. In Jesus' name, I'm not going to accept this. The Bible says. But if you don't have scriptures to point to, to be able to say the Bible says. David, he had examples. The same God that delivered me from the poor, the lion, and the bed. That same God will deliver me from the hands of these uncircumcised Philistines. See! He defies the armies of the living God. He had an example. When you don't read the Bible, what are you standing on? Someone will say, I'm standing on my pastor's message. No, no, no. What are you standing on? Well, I'm standing on the, my, my, my bank uh, 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 statement. No, no, no. What are you standing on? I'm standing on my life insurance policy. No, no. What are you standing on? I'm standing on my company's A rating. No, 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 no. All those can go down. Stand on the word. When you stand on the word of God, you have a sure foundation. When you stand on the word of God cannot go down. So if I stand on the word, I can't go down. Fear is another thing the devil gives to people. Fear. Fear of death. Fear of the unknown. As for fear, even our God was tempted to fear. But he never feared. He was tempted to fear when he, he was in the garden of Gethsemane. As for fear, it comes to all people. But we need to say, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to be courageous. Meaning that in the midst of fear, I'm going to still pursue. Because fear is an evil spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 Fear is a spirit. Fear is, is not good. Fear must be shunned. Job said, the thing I have greatly feared has come upon me. The thing I was afraid of has come. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So God has not given us the spirit of fear. No, he hasn't. Fear is an evil spirit. And when you do something because you are afraid, 
or you take a decision because you're afraid, or you act in fear, you are being led by an evil spirit. But when you are afraid of something, and the opposite is in line with God's word, do the opposite. Let me me put it this way. If you are supposed to do something, and that thing would lead to a success, but you are afraid of it, do the opposite of fear. Fear is saying that don't do it. But if doing it is in line with the word of God, do it. Do the opposite of fear. Go in the opposite direction of fear. Because an evil spirit is trying to lead you by fear. Of course, there are certain things that you might be, you might have a bad feeling about. That's different from fear. Maybe God is saying, don't do it. You might, because God directs us through our spirit and our spirit, if our conscience. So, so we are directed by our spirit, our conscience, and then uh, 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 the peace of God is our referee, our umpire, our referee, our referee, our arbitrator. So if there is peace in your heart about something, then that is a good thing, especially when you've prayed about it, because the peace is the arbitrator. If there is no peace about it, then don't do it. Of course, the Bible is the guide, remember. Because you might not have, you, you might think there is no peace, but it is fear. Meanwhile, God is saying, do it. So you have, that's why we and I must be prayerful, must be people of the word, so that we will allow the word of God to direct us and also counsel. Hallelujah. Speak to your pastor, counsel. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Every purpose is established through counsel. Anxiety. Sin. Confusion. These are all things that the devil does. Addiction. Some are addicted to sex. Sexual addiction. Some are addicted to pornography. Pornography invites the spirit of lust into the home. An evil spirit comes to the home when you are, you are into pornography. And pornography leads to masturbation and sexual sin. It goes on. The more you do it, if you want to stop, I mean, masturbation, it's not good. That's why pornography is not good. But some people are hooked, many Christians. In fact, uh, I heard of a pastor's conference somewhere in the South. Pastors' conference. I don't remember whether it was a big yeah, one of these pastors' conferences some time back. And the hotels were all packed because the people had traveled from all over the US and maybe all over the world to attend the conference. My time is almost up. Okay. Now, during that time, because it was a pastors' from conference, many of the hotels were filled with pastors. Now, the hotels observed something. What they observed was that the highest, uh, 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 the highest, uh, what do you call it, P- uh, number of people watching pornographic channels happened that time. And let me see it in another room. So that conference, whether it was a three-day or four-day conference, during the conference, the highest number of 
people watching pornography on the TV channels was during that time. And it was by pastors. How much more the Christians? And you think it's only men who watch porn, but women to watch it too. An evil spirit of lust comes in and, and, and rests in your home, in your own bedroom. Rests in your bedroom. Doubt. Doubt. Doubt is an evil thing. Doubt, doubting God is evil. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Doubting God is evil. Hebrews 10, 36 to 38. Doubting God, think about it. Just doubting God is evil. Hebrews 10, 36. For ye have need of patience. After ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Verse 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Continue. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And we all know the story of the evil report given. Twelve spies were sent to the promised land. And the sons of Anak were there. There were giants in the land. So Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, for those who don't know about it. And God promised them that I'm taking you to the promised land. When it was time to go to the promised land, Moses sent spies, 12 spies, go and spy out the land and then find out whether, I mean, just, just tell us about it. God said that the, the land will be full in the northern hand and there'll be all sorts of, there'll be pomegranates, there'll be uh, uh, garlic. It means that those are super fruits, pomegranate, garlic. When you take them, they, are, they help uh, prevent diseases. Otherwise, I mean, it's scientifically, number one. Number two, why, if that's a blessing of the promised land, it's a good thing. Anyway, that one we'll talk about that another time. But, so they went to spy the land, the 12 spies, Joshua, Caleb, and 10 others. When they went to spy out the land, they saw even grapes and figs. They saw the grapes were huge. They saw milk, honey. They saw all the things God promised. And they also saw giants. So to the, to the, the, the 12 in their minds, wow, God has promised us a land flowing with milk and honey. And the land, as we've seen it, is better than expected, better than we ever imagined. Yes, it's flowing with milk and honey, but even the grapes are big. But how are we going to take this land when there are giants who are occupying the land? So they were all worried. And then Joshua and Caleb said, well, we are worried, but yes, there are giants in the land, but our God is bigger than the giants. If our God is bigger than the giants and there are giants, then our God is well able to deliver us and defeat the giants and give us the land. But the 10 said, there are giants in the land, we are not able to take it. So check this out. 12 people, all 12 saw the facts. The facts were clear. Yes, God 
promised us a land filled with milk and honey, there's milk and honey. Also, there are giants in the land. Wow, we cannot overcome them. All 12 agreed with that. The difference between the 10 and the 2 is that the 2, even though they believed it, they knew that God was bigger. And if God promised that he was going to give us the land, then God was going to give us the land. But the 10 said that, yes, it is true, but because there are giants in the land, we cannot overcome. And God called it an evil report. God said, the doubt, you doubted me. I told you that I'm going to... Uh, 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 I, I told you that I'm going to give you this land from the milk and honey. And you are now doubting me and telling me you are not able. I can imagine how God feels. Because even yesterday, I was having a discussion with some people, and the person was saying that I wasn't there, or was making a point about not being there. I, I was saying something, the person said, oh, I wasn't there. And I was like, what do you mean? Are you doubting me? What does it mean that I wasn't there? So how much more God? If I was upset, how would God feel when we doubt him? You think about it. Everyone watching, when you say something with confidence and you take the time to explain it and you are doubted, you will not be happy. In the same way, God has taken his time to write his old will and new will. New Testament, will and testament. Old Testament, New Testament has written his laws. He, he, he's promised us so many things. When we doubt him, it, it's offensive. So God called it an evil report. And those 10 spies didn't enter the promised land. They all died because God was upset. I, I don't know if I get what I'm saying. So you and I, as Christians, we must not doubt, but we must be positive thinkers. Think positively, speak positively. We'll talk about his speaking also. I don't think we're going to do that today. Hallelujah. But doubt is an evil report. What do I mean by that? Let me show you another reason why you and I shouldn't doubt. I'll prove to you in the Bible that in the New Testament, God hates doubt. And he, he's found a way to, 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 to separate the doubters from those who don't doubt. Look at James chapter 1. Let's start from verse 2. But we are looking for 5 to 8. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your feet work at patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That word perfect is mature. If any of you lack wisdom, this is another beautiful verse. This verse is a promise. If you lack wisdom, acknowledge you lack it and ask God, he'll give you generously. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraided not. He will not withhold, he will not rebuke you. And it shall be given him. What a promise. But, but, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavering is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Look at this verse in verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. This is very important. So God is saying that when you are asking, ask in faith, 
without wavering. Other versions say without doubt. So when we are asking God for anything, ask God in faith without doubting. Because the one who doubts and wavers is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed. The devil will throw an idea and then you just throw ideas around and you just be tossed around. Let not that man who doubts when he prays think that he will receive anything of the Lord. When you doubt, you are, it's almost insulting God. When you doubt, you are not going to get anything from God. I didn't see it. The Bible says it. I wish it was different so it would help me also because sometimes it's not easy. You start doubting. You have to catch yourself. Hallelujah. But it, it's true whether or not we like it. When we doubt, we shouldn't expect anything from God. Does this mean that we now understand why many times our prayers are not heard or we don't get what we are looking for? Many times it's because we are doubting. Later on, I will explain to you the difference between doubting the mind and doubting the heart. You can doubt in the mind all you want, but you, you are still covered. You are not wavering. There's a difference between doubting the mind and doubting the heart. You and I cannot control the thoughts that come to our minds. The fact that a thought of doubt has come to your mind, your mind does not mean you doubt it. But if the thought enters the spirit and you doubt in your heart, that's where the problem is. That's why Mark chapter 11, verse 20, uh, uh, 23 says that, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be that removed and be that cast into the sea, and shall not doubt where? In his heart and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he shares have come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he shares. So the key is doubting in the heart, not the mind. Because as for the mind, faith is of the heart, not the mind. As for the mind, you cannot control the birds from flying over your head. You cannot control what enters your mind. When the devil is tempting, the devil will tempt us with doubtful thoughts, with loathsome thoughts, with wrong thoughts in our minds. So long as we don't accept it and we reject it, those thoughts die unborn without fruit. When a thought comes to my mind and your mind and we don't speak it out, we cast it out, we reject it, it dies without fruit. But when we ponder upon those, upon those thoughts, then those doubtful thoughts enter into the heart, then we doubt in the heart, do not expect to receive anything from God. That's what the Bible says. But we'll go more into it when you're talking about faith because this is a very important thing. Hallelujah. Doubt. And then murmuring and grumbling and complaining. When we murmur, we grumble, we complain. Oh God, what is this like? I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Imagine God says, I'm obliged. You are tired? Okay, thank you. I can fix this for you. <laughs> You are tired. Okay. The children of Israel, they complained, they complained, they complained. You've brought us into the wilderness. You couldn't take us to the promised land. So you brought us to just cause us to starve here. They murmured and complained against God. And the Bible says they tempted Christ. And because of that, Christ, Christ sent the destroyer to destroy them. So God hates complaints. And the Bible says, I don't, there's no time to go into it, but in Corinthians, that all these, let me, let me just read it. All these things were written for our examples, examples. Hallelujah. They were written for our admonition. It means that what happened in the wilderness was also written in the Bible for our example, so we learn from it.
What do you think? Let's get this verse. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start from verse 4. And then we wrap that wrap up. Okay, let's start from verse 1. This, this is a very powerful uh, uh, scripture. So this is talking about openness. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. Glory to God. And that rock was Christ. Maybe this, there's not that to go into it. It's all going to be uh, assumption, but Moses striking the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And now that rock was Christ that followed them. I'm sure we'll talk about that at another time, but there's no real uh, um, answer for that one. But let's continue, verse five. But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. Now let's continue. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play or fornicate, the, the, the orgies. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20, 23,000 fell in that day because of the fornication and the plague. Verse nine, neither let us tempt Christ. Now, there's no time to go into it, but when you go into it, if, if you have a good Bible, it will refer you to the Old Testament. Neither let us tempt Christ. And when it, the, the tempting Christ was when they complained, Moses, Moses, we are tired. Take us back to Egypt. Why have you brought us here to kill us? There's no water. There's no meat. We are eating manna. We are tired. Take us back. They tempted Christ. Christ was tempted. And Christ was so angry that as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Because of that, God sent serpents to bite them. Hallelujah. And then, anyway, okay, let's continue. Verse 11. Now, all of these things happened unto them for examples or examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Another time we'll talk about that. There's a lot to talk about, but it's our church. Hallelujah. What does this mean? This means that memory, grumbling, complaining, God does not like. God doesn't like it. God does not like it. Hallelujah. So you and I must be careful about complaining. Don't complain about your life. Don't complain about your family member. Don't complain about your pastor. Don't complain about your church. Don't complain about your fellow church members. Don't complain about people. Just don't complain and grumble. Undertone uh, uh, complaint, undertone talking of resentment and uh, dissatisfaction. No, 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 no. God doesn't like complaining because they didn't say, God, we are complaining. Take us back, God. No, they said, Moses, you, Moses, you, Moses, 
So they were complaining about Moses. Eli was told that your sons, we don't want them to rule over us. Get us a king like the other nations. Then Eli was sad and God said, come and straighten yourself. They did not reject you. They rejected me from ruling over them. They rejected me because they rejected you. Because you were giving them my laws and they don't want my laws. They want a king like the other country. So they have not rejected you, Eli. They rejected me. So anytime we complain and murmur against instructions or anything, very important, we are murmuring against Christ. Now look at James chapter 5, verse 9. Now someone will say, oh, really? Especially, well, especially if it is in line with what God is saying. If God has given an instruction to someone and you murmur against it, then you are murmuring against Christ. If you lie when God has said something, then you are lying against the Holy Ghost like an analysis plan. So anytime we murmur, when God gives an instruction and we complain, we murmur, we grumble, we are grumbling against God. Okay. James 5, 9, and then let's close. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Now, another translation, end notes. Don't grumble about each other, my brothers and sisters, or God will judge you. For look, the, ju the great judge is coming. He is standing at the door. Let's take another version. That's his complaint, because there's grumble, there's complaint. Don't grumble. We had grudge not, grumble not. Good. Uh, the message. Friends, don't complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be lodged against you, you know. The judge is standing just around the corner. One more version. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Look, the judge is already standing at the very door. So this verse clearly means two things. One, do not complain, grumble, or grudge against each other, Christians. Don't be grudging, don't be complaining, don't be murmuring against each other, Christians. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Behold, the judge, Jesus Christ, he's almost here and coming. Meaning that you'll be condemned if you keep grudging against each other. <clears throat> but Jesus is almost here. And when he comes, he will come and condemn you when he's judging. Hallelujah. There's a judge right there waiting to condemn you. <coughs> Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, so these are things that we must think about. <coughs> Excuse me. These are things that we must think about. We must think about. So when we are thinking, we must guard our mindset. We must think in the right way. We must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this comes about through the word of God. There's a lot more to be said, but I'm not out of word. I'm just out of time. Shall we stand or, or just, or, yeah.
you can stand or, or do whatever you want. And let's just pray to the Lord. Let's just ask him to give us the grace to guard our minds. The Bible says, guard your hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let's speak to the Lord and ask God to affect our hearts. Can you mute uh, uh, those pray? You can pray. Hallelujah. Can we ask God to affect our lives and our hearts? Lord, transform me by your word. Transform my mind. Give me the mind of Christ. For your word says, O God, in Philippians, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Give us the minds of Christ. In the name of Jesus, who think about godly things, who think about true things, who think about just things, who think about honest things, who, who are loving each other, who are walking in love, who love you and loving each other. Give us the grace to walk in it in the name of Jesus. Whilst we are here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you know in your heart that you are not born again, you know in your heart that if you die today, you will not go to heaven, but you want Jesus Christ to save you. You want Jesus Christ to live in you. You want him to be your Lord. You want the love God to shower his love upon you. Then I want you to just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you for joining. And I pray that you have been blessed and you would guard your mind. We will also talk about positive confessions also later on. There's more to be said about guarding our minds, but God bless you. And um, we may um, just uh, uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, so God bless you all. Just before we continue the service, I just want to say, talk to those on social media. I want to say, God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord Jesus cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. And may he give you peace. May the blessings of the Lord which make it rich and added no sorrows be your portion. May you be blessed. May you be protected. May you be favored. May you have a favorable week. May you have a favorable blessing. May good things come to you. May good things from God come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.